We would like to say a special thank you to Janet Lyso for sponsoring this week's episode and thanksgiving for all pastors who are faithful to the proclamation of Christ. For she says, they are the mineral in my soil. But it's probably also not in the way people are expecting or wanting the Messiah. Oh, of course. You're absolutely right about that, Kiri. People are going to want the Messiah to be... Um, within their grasp. And that's also why we like prophecies. That's actually why people are afraid that Jesus is fulfilling all these things, because he's taking him out of their hands and putting them into his hands. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. The triumphal entry, yet in a single week, Jesus is killed. How did we go from cheering Hosanna to crucify him? Lars Olson joins Kiri and me to discuss the lectionary text for Palm Sunday. In today's conversation, we discuss what it means for something to be prophesied, like Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Lars also teaches us the translation for Hosanna, meaning save us, and how accurate that actually is. Like the crowds, We think we have the Messiah we want. Instead, Jesus is the Messiah we're given. And his throne is the cross. Let's get to it. Here's Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. It is just Kiri and I with Hello. Lars Olson. Thanks for being here, Lars. Hey, as always, it's good to be here with you, Mason. And Kiri, too. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Lars, real quickly before we get kicked off, do you have any pets? <laughs> yes, I do. I have a pet. <laughs> One a dog. Pet. You have a dog? One very large dog. What kind yes. of dog is he? It. She. She. 
uh, thank you, is a, <laughs> uh, a, she is a Labradoodle and Aww. she weighs about 60 pounds or so. She's maybe 55. She's, she's a big, fast, loud dog. I yeah. also have a doodle and whenever you Google anything about dogs, they always say he in every article is like, my dog ate this. Are they going to die? And it's, a, it's always a he on, on the internet. So Aww. us female dog owners have to unite. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. You have a doodle dog. Mason, you have a doodle dog. Adam has a doodle dog. You don't. I have two cats. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I won't come over. I'm, a, I'm allergic to cats. People, There's another thing okay. for It's okay. We keep the house pretty clean. So oh, that's good. You, that's good. We'll, I we'll lock them in the basement. It's fine. Okay. So diving into this text, it is Palm Sunday. We've been talking a lot about Palm Sunday and actually how the difference between Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday. And can you... I think the stuff you said was really interesting to both Mason and myself. Can you dive in a little bit more on the difference between Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday and if there actually is a difference between those two? Sure. Yeah. So we're um, in Matthew 21, which is Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem um, at the start of this, which we get just about every year uh, when we enter into Holy Week and everybody loves to put up their palms and, you know, sing Hosanna and they don't maybe quite realize what they're, what they're saying. Um, but... Uh, so Palm Sunday um, is is that entrance, right? And and this reading that we're talking about today, Matthew twenty one, is is appointed for the um, the triumphal entry gospel, where with uh, with the Passion Gospel, there's another one assigned for the same day, uh, where you would then read the entire Passion of of Jesus according to Matthew. And the idea behind that is that often um, people come on Passion or I'm excuse me on Palm Sunday. And then they maybe skip worship uh, for Holy Week, and then you go from Hosanna, Hosanna, come and save us, cheering the, these cheering crowds. Um, uh, and then the next Sunday they show up, and it's Easter Sunday, and then Jesus is resurrected, and then we end up skipping uh, that Jesus actually truly died fully. And so uh, the idea of the Passion Sunday then is to augment what's on Palm Sunday, where uh, then in, you you end up not skipping. Good Friday, because you read the whole Passion, and then from Sunday to Sunday, um, you get that Jesus died and then rose. Well, that's great, uh, unless your congregation actually has Maundy Thursday and Good Friday services, um, because now why would you come to Good Friday, because you've already had Good Friday on Palm Sunday. So there's good reasons for uh, for having those, but they are two kind of distinct ideas. You kind of have to pick one uh, and 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 roll with it and figure out what you're going to do. So today we're going to talk about Matthew 21 and the entry gospel. Um, but you know, if that's uh, uh, if that's not what you're going to do, and you're going to do Passion Sunday, then you're going to have to go a little bit further than this. What do you think about that? So. Um you just said it's the processional gospel, and then there's a bunch of other scriptures that are read during that sermon. Is the Matthew 20, chapter 26 one, is that the full? Yeah, that'd be the full okay. passion. Yeah, 26 and 27. So, I mean, that's like a, a chapter and a half of Matthew, right? So you're reading the whole entire thing from Jesus' arrest all the way through uh, his crucifixion. And I think before we dive into the this Palm Sunday text, which we'll get to in depth, but... I understand that, Kira. You're very, oh, you're geez. very passionate about the passion. <laughs> yes. I mean, it it is. Yes, it I'm is very... difficult to preach, but I understand that we have 
somebody who's uh, uh, met your standards uh, <laughs> sitting across the table from us. <laughs> the high standards of Kiri, uh, right? Yes, I'm very harsh about it. Um, so what Mason's referring to is Good Friday um, specifically. I'm, I don't know. I, I, I agree with what you just said, Lars. I agree that when, if you take, if you take, um, Palm Sunday and then Passion Sunday, it's just celebration on celebration and you don't fully understand the gravity of Easter Sunday or Passion Sunday. You don't fully understand like, okay, it's great. He resurrected. And that's why I'm so thankful that we do have that whole week where we have Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. And Good Friday is actually what I get the most excited about, but it's also, (laughs) I know, I know, but it's also the one that lets me down the most. And because I, I feel like sometimes it's not, now granted, I'm just a sinner saved by God's good grace. So, but sometimes I don't feel like it's preached the way it should be. Like the gravity of that day and the gravity of Jesus Christ being put on the cross and dying isn't always Yeah, I isn't mean, always I- the focal point. And a few years ago when you preached, you actually did a really wonderful job with it. Look at that. <laughs> I actually got one Recorded. good one out. It's on the record. Yeah, no, but I, I mean, I, I don't know that it's the gravity as much as just the reality. Our, our we are bent on avoiding death, uh, especially that as our as our true end, which is really what Jesus is is doing when he's coming into Jerusalem. And so, when we skip over Good Friday or we uh, minimize Jesus' death and burial, we start to say, "Well, uh, yeah, but the resurrection came, and so it didn't matter." or uh, that nothing actually occurred in that. But actually, when Jesus dies, um, the world is coming to an end. All these structures. uh, And Jesus is um, bringing the law to its end in this fulfillment, which is a little bit about what we'll talk about here today. But if you skip over Jesus' death, um, then you do do really rob what Jesus is doing in the world uh, Mm -hmm. of, of, of a lot of significance. And you're just saying, oh, it's just a time for cheering and, and, and celebration all the time. Actually, Jesus has come to end those, uh, those festivals of, of things that are not about his new life. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump into the text. Speaking of ending festivals, let's talk about a festival. Here comes the festival of the Passover. Is this a festival? That's, I mean, that's the, so starting it out, um, they are, Jesus is about to travel. Um, he asks for a donkey and a colt and then says, if anyone asks you questions, just tell them the Lord needs them and they'll be returned. Yeah. So he's coming, finishing all of this ministry and they're coming down for the festival of the Passover. This is a massive uh, undertaking, right? Everybody's coming from all throughout the country down to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Uh, and he comes to uh, Bethpage, um, which is on the eastern side of Jerusalem, what they would call the East Gate. Uh, and that's where he's coming to enter Jerusalem, which is just on uh, one side of the Mount of Olives, which, which the Mount of Olives, of course, takes up a massive chunk of where Jesus is between the 
temple between Mount, Ol- Mount of Olives. He goes back and forth throughout uh, the rest of Matthew, throughout Holy Week. Um, so he's kind of living on the Mount of Olives, but entering into Jerusalem to um, spar in the, in the temple, um, to, uh, to argue, to turn over the tables. Um, all those kinds of things are, are happening there. So he's coming in from the countryside and he comes to the, the, um, this gate and he sends his disciples ahead of him saying, go get me uh, a donkey. And uh, um, Matthew picks up that this is a combination from Zechariah and Isaiah and what he says the prophet speaks, um, where uh, where Jesus says, "Yes, go in and uh, to to pull out this donkey uh, and this um, colt of a donkey and bring them back to him." Right. Well, it's interesting because it immediately immediately following that, it says that all of this is to fulfill what the prophet said, which is tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That now, why is that? Why is that humble? For me, that doesn't seem humble, but yeah. maybe it is in that day and age. Why, yeah, to steal a donkey, like, maybe is, that's not so humble, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Why is that significant? <laughs> like, why did they put it in here? Right. So, I mean, one, because that's uh, what was prophesied to do. But why is that prophecy there? What, what, would a, what would a conquering king usually come in on, do you think? A donkey? No. 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 Uh, you'd, you'd find the biggest, strongest... Horse? Horse, right? Uh, and would you, would you walk in um, with, a, with your uh, army of disciples behind you? And what would they have on, on their hands? Swords, shiny swords, swords and champions, right. and uh, and here comes here comes Jesus um, without any sort of uh, conquering sensibility, and that's that's what is meant there by humble. Now, in our parlance, humble really gets at the wrong kind of thing because Jesus isn't coming kind of low and meek and you know without any power. He's coming not as a conqueror. Instead, what's going to happen in the in the cross? Well, he's going to conquer by being conquered. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. Uh, so he's not coming. What this is saying is he's not coming as a, um, a, a conquering king to take over, to take over the, the, the throne by force. That's, that's finally what it means because what kind of a throne is Jesus after? The throne of David? Well, after death, but Yes, he's coming for he's coming through death, and so his throne, where he's going to rule from, is going to be the cross, rather than uh, like a um, a chair where he can sit and, and direct everybody, right? Because that's finally what the king is doing: sitting in the chair, saying, "You go do this, you go do that." Yeah. Instead, Jesus is on the cross, uh, and he's saying, "Here's what I do for you." He's a different kind of king, and this is what we what we mean by um, humble. That word actually. Um, isn't it's not a great translation, but it's hard to find this. It really it really means um, gentle, um, gentle, but with strength, um, so that you have strength, but you're just not coming to to fight with it, right? Right, and that's I mean, he tells them to go steal this donkey and a colt, and he, he <laughs> well, gives them the to excuse ask for it, uh, uh, take it if they have to, but right, somebody's going to give it and to he them. Said, like if anyone asks, like say the Lord needs them. I mm-hmm. mean. The, that's kind of, I wish that was an excuse that I could use at all times <laughs> being like, oh, well, I've got the get out of jail free card right. here. Hey, that could be a whole sermon, you know, just walk hey, into uh, the, the, the grocery store, pick up what you need and say, the Lord needs it and see what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that that's part of, 
of of the humble nature of this is that how how do you compare I'm, uh, in my mind of what how do you view prophecies like is what comes first like you have this in the old testament which at the time is the only testament um that these things are going to happen in the future and all of a sudden Jesus is now doing them right I mean, what comes first, chicken or the egg? Is he doing them to check off the box or is he doing them kind of just because he was going to do them and by happenstance, that was exactly what was prophesied. Right. right. So you're really getting at what does this word fulfill actually um, mean for us, right? Um, because is, it was all this told from from before and Jesus now just has to go in and, and uh, check the boxes and do what he was told and so that he's playing out the script, right? He's just living through this. Well, that's not actually what we mean by fulfill. I mean, that's a part of probably what we mean by fulfill, but that's a really weak and flimsy kind of thing, right? Like, oh, a prophet said it so that he was foretelling the future. That's right. not actually um, what we mean by fulfill. Um, to fulfill something is to is to fill it up, right? Uh, if your gas tank is empty and you fill it to the brim, what what's next? Well, the emptiness is all gone. Right. It's it's full now. You can move on with your life. Um, to fulfill prophecy isn't just to check off the box and say that you did it and see how they pointed to it and that was what it's going to be. No, Jesus is bringing the fulfillment, bringing the prophecy to its fulfillment, to its end. Um, so for a long time, what have people been doing? They've been waiting for the Messiah to come. It's been prophesied. Well, what is Jesus doing? Checking off the boxes or being the Messiah? Well, he's being the Messiah. Uh, that means the prophecy is fulfilled. It's no longer something that that's guiding us, pushing us into the future, saying, look and wait for this. Now we're saying, it's over. We can move on. <laughs> it's behind us now. But mm -hmm. it's probably also not in the way people are expecting or wanting the Messiah. Oh, of course. You're absolutely right about that, Kiri. People are going to want the Messiah to be um, within their grasp. And that's also why we like prophecies. That's actually why people are afraid that Jesus is fulfilling all these things because he's taking them out of their hands and putting them into his hands. That's how we move into the new kingdom, not by holding on to the past. So when we are fulfilling prophecy, you're saying everything that you had hoped for in the past, that's not uh, the prophecy that's, that has been telling you that the Messiah is coming, that here is Jesus Christ. All that you've been holding on to, expecting out of that, all of that is coming to an end. It has to because the prophecy is now fulfilled and you only have what God has given you to go forward with. So is that kind of what this last paragraph is sort of starting to talk about a little bit um, when it starts talking more about the crowd and what they're doing? So it says the, a very large crowd, they spread their cloaks on the road. They cut branches, which we know well because we do that or a variation it's of that so in our cute. own churches. Yeah. Yeah, and you wave them around and the little kids have so much fun and they're so engaged. And then they went ahead and started shouting things about Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, son of the Messiah, blessed is he. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of what you're talking about here? Yeah, so they're they're calling out Hosanna, which means save us or save us now, right? And so they're they're calling out, maybe they don't know even what they're asking for. That happens a lot throughout the Gospels, right? <laughs> People are asking for something and God's going to give them to them, but they don't know quite what they're asking. But here they're calling out to Jesus saying, save us. Now, uh, it's a crowd, so uh, they don't really explain what everybody's individual hope is in that. But when Jesus comes and fulfills this for them, they're finally only going to have what he gives them, which is the cross. Hmm. 
not whatever it is that they had been asking for. The only thing they're going to have to move forward with is knowing that not uh, their chance of saying, save us, see how we're choosing you, but crucify him. Their chants are going to change. And finally, that's finally what we move forward with is crucify him. And Jesus saying, I forgive you. That's what's so crazy here. Sorry, Mason. Go for it. That's what's so crazy here is between the one week span of time, the language changes so drastically. People are here shouting, but it's in adoration. Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. It's just, it's beautiful language here. And then you fast forward one week and it's crucify him. Right. Which just goes to show uh, exactly how misguided people are. They think they're cheering for him and they've got the Messiah that they want. Instead, Jesus is going to be the the Messiah that they're given. Right? He's going to fulfill fill all this by bringing their hopes to an end. And of course, uh, it's all compacted into this one week because this is where Jesus has been driving. So it's been happening for three years now. And Jesus is finally, uh, you know, it hasn't been all um, uh, lollipops and gumdrops for Jesus through here. He's been uh, poking at people to point out the sinful heart, the murderous heart that they have. Um, the uh, their love for the old ways, their their buying into tradition, um, their their uh, their love for themselves rather than for God, their their their, their deep mo- sin. love of money. Yes, and so now it's all going to be compacted as Jesus is moving right into the cross, and that's going to be what what he's going to fulfill. He's going to put all that to an end, exactly. That's so that's I, what they're doing. Yes, they're calling out for something, but Jesus is doing something else. And that's, I just don't think you could write a better story than this. I mean, it's, it's so ironic that, and even churchgoers, you're sitting in the pews and that's the reaction is that you're sitting there and all the kids are waving palm fronds Mm -hmm. and you're singing Hosanna and, and you're, you're kind of, your heart is like warmed by this, that you're like, (laughs) yay. Like, it's so happy. And like the story there's, they're saying, save us. Right. And they're actually Jesus is going to deliver that. He is going to save them, but they're thinking that it's going to be in this, in the way that they want it. Exactly. But it's the absolute opposite. That's what we mean by fulfill, right? He's going to take all of that and bring it to an end so that he, they have nothing other than him finally. And that's really what we're, what uh, a sermon on this needs to look like, right? Um, That uh, whatever is coming Jesus way, he's moving towards the cross. Uh, Whether they're, adoring him or whether they're uh, uh, fighting him, whether they're uh, on his side or uh, just watch what happens with the disciples. Uh, He says, I'm giving myself to you. Um, And Peter says, not to me. I would never betray you. Uh, Well, uh, what an idiot. Right. It doesn't matter if if, to Jesus, if you are on his side or not on his side, finally, what is going to happen in his uh, entry into Jerusalem, he's going to overturn not just the tables in the temple, but and overturn the entire creation so that you have nothing left except him. Yeah. And you get the sense that all of this is bubbling under the, the surface here. And we have the verse 10 here. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I mean, he's got this rumor mill going on that he's doing all these miraculous healings and he's got this power to him. Yeah. He's forgiving sin and people know this, but they're 
Maybe they don't know it in Jerusalem quite yet. Well, I mean, the text is telling us this, even though it's kind of hidden there, right? That when Jesus enters Jerusalem, the city is now in turmoil. Um, That word in Greek is the same word that is used for seismic, (laughs) uh, earthquake. Uh, Jesus is uh, um, uh, shaking the place up, right? Uh, He's... um, He's rattling that, that even though they're, they're calling for, uh, for, for him to be their Messiah, um, he's come to, to rock the very ground that they stand on, right? And um, yeah, so that's a really uh, interesting just word there that they think they're calling for him and they're welcoming him with open arms. But in entering Jerusalem, he's actually stirring up the... Uh, the um, the rejection that he's come to absorb in the world. And that, I mean, the, the temptation is that we're always trying to figure out, okay, how do I avoid <laughs> yeah. being this person yes. yeah. that is rejecting Jesus? And I, I don't want to crucify him. And that's I, what you want, right? Uh, yeah. How do we I fi- I find a way out of it? And Jesus is saying there is no way out of it. Yeah. How can I be his disciple? No, his disciples reject him. How can I be not someone that's calling for him to be how crucified? How can I be Mary Magdalene? That's right. How can I yep. uh, watch this? How can I be one of those who is accepted? Yes. Right. No, he is. Uh, he has come to overturn and fulfill, fulfill all of this for you. And that's. I'm just going to quote Lars Olson right here. Shaken by his arrival, the people choose instead to preserve the temple, crown, and Roman occupation. And to me, how misguided that seems. That like people would actively choose to preserve the temple or the Roman occupation, whatever, instead of their Lord and Savior sitting right in front of them. But obviously, there's no way around this. And then you look at this day and age, and we're doing the same thing. No, of course. Uh, We are bound to do so, and Jesus is bound to be our Savior, not because we choose him, because he is doing this to us. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson for breaking down the text for Palm Sunday. In the blink of an eye, the crowds turn from cheering Hosanna to crucify him. Lars taught us that Hosanna means save us, and that Jesus did, just in a way no one expected. He fulfilled the prophecies and the law. He brought them to their end through his death and his resurrection. This week on Scripture First and Sing to the Lord, the Luther House of Study team is bringing you bonus Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday podcast episodes. Be sure to look for those episodes in your podcast feed on Thursday and Friday. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, Jesus hears your cheer of save us. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.